Once more, let us pray. Faithful God, how blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Sanctify us by your word and spirit so that we may glorify you in the company of the faithful. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forevermore. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the Old Testament, Psalm 107, verses 1 to 15. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south, Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, and the hungry he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in misery and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Their hearts were bowed down with hard labor. They fell down with no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. The next reading is responsive, and the words will appear before you on the screen. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night gives There is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect one's own errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. The final reading is from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 22. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might gain all the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to gain Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might gain those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, though I am not outside God's law, but I am within Christ's law, so that I might gain those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might gain the weak. I had become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. And continuing to read from God's word as it is given to us in John chapter 8, verses 12 to 20. Once more, let us listen for God's word to his people. Again, Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered them, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, Where is your father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Without a shadow of a doubt. Now, we've been through, preaching through John for a long time now. We started this great adventure of ours way back in the early days of Jan well actually back in December of last year. When there was still snow on the ground and icy streets and sidewalks and things like heat and humidity were just wishful thinking back then. Imagine. We began our exploration of the Gospel of John back then in those days and we commented on the language that is unique to John's Gospel. The opening verses of the Gospel of John are comprised of that great ancient poem with its focus on words like word 
and life and light, glory, grace, and truth. Indeed, it is this prologue to John's gospel, John chapter 1, verses 1 to, let's say 15. That's a nice place to stop reading if you're going to go home and do some homework this afternoon. It is that, that prologue, those first few verses of this gospel that, leave, that, that kind of leaves our understanding of God and Jesus Christ a little bit open-ended. It's more image than substance. It's more metaphor than concrete noun, those first verses. And yet I suppose that that is how it's supposed to be, isn't it? It is like the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 on that great treatise of love that he writes there. John or Paul tells us that our knowledge of God is incomplete. It's as if we were looking into a, a clouded mirror. But we know that one day our knowledge of God will be complete. We will see him face to face. But for now, but for now, with this incomplete understanding of the fullness of God and of God's great love for us, that is a love that is embodied by Jesus Christ, it is then perhaps appropriate that our understanding of God is image rich as it he is is here in the fourth gospel it is the language of the poet and poetry rather than the language of the engineer and solid facts and figures that allows us but a glimpse of the wonder of god but there's one more thing i think that that image-rich prologue that begins the Gospel of John provides us with. And that is a framework upon which to hang everything that we learn about Jesus Christ as we continue to read through the rest of John's Gospel. It's the skeleton that gives structure to all of the different ideas that we will encounter in this Gospel. And I was reminded of all of that this week as I was reading through this text and especially these verses from John chapter 8 for this morning and most particularly of all the first one that we read, John, verse 12, because it picks up on that language from John chapter 1. Jesus says to the temple authorities, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. As I read that passage, I was reminded that, that there was that language from John, from the beginning of John again. I am light, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. As Jesus attempts to to instruct the temple officials about his identity, uh, he draws on this thread to which we were first introduced way back in chapter 1, the images of light and of life. 
And while sometimes we might be tempted to make things more complex than they truly are, every now and then, it's simple. <laughs> Imagine that. I was struck by the simplicity of this text and of those words. As in the parable of the widow's might told elsewhere in the Bible, in which the, a widow lights a lamp in her, in her dark little room in an attempt to find a coin that has fallen from her purse and rolled off into some dark little corner or maybe underneath a chair. And she cannot find it because it is lost in all of the shadows. So here, Jesus, as he seeks to reveal to us the fullness of God's love and of his own true nature, it's like that widow who lights the lamp or one of us who, after the sun goes down at night, switches on the light switch in the darkened room. The light allows us to see more clearly the details that surround us. The light gives us clarity. Two nights ago, I was playing with the breaker box in our house. Always one of those wonderful things, right? And why do they always put the breaker box in the darkest corner of the basement? I don't know, but they do. And so, trying to find the right breaker in amongst all the breakers. And why don't they label the breakers so that you know what room they're actually supposed to be in? It's been an ongoing project. But as I was standing there, flipping breakers madly, going, is, is it off yet? I had to stand with the flashlight shining along the list of roughly where breakers should be list. Oh, by the way, it was nowhere where it was supposed to be, the breaker I was looking for. That's part of the problem. Standing with the flashlight peering into the misty darkness of that little corner of the basement that you can't quite get into trying to find the right one. The light gives clarity. Over the past few weeks, I've had the opportunity to discuss, to be in dialogue with, with a number of people who are newer to the Christian faith, People who are, or people who have been returning to the faith after a long absence. And it's been really interesting, you know, to, to hear the difference that faith has made in people's lives and also to hear how their understanding of the Christian life has changed. They've taught me a lot, I have to say, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. One person with whom I've been speaking recently made a comment that I found really interesting. In talking about faith, they noted that they had learned that in their youth that a Christian was someone who wanted... Sorry. Let me start that sentence again. In talking about faith with one of these people, they noted that... <clears throat> They had learned of late, their new learning was that a Christian was someone who wanted to live in a relationship with God through Jesus, and that this was a new understanding for them. Previously, they had defined being a Christian as 
living a good life, being kind, being compassionate, helping others. They figured, well, they hadn't sinned. Or, well, they, they hadn't done the big five anyway, you know, the thou shalt nots from the Ten Commandments. So they, they felt fairly secure, thought they were doing pretty well. But they'd never really given any thought about living in a relationship with Jesus. And the fact that Jesus comes to save us from our sin, to be light in the world, and to give life. If you think about all of those passages, mostly in the Old Testament, though not exclusively, but many in the Hebrew scriptures that that kind of define the behavior of the people of God. Right? All of those rules and laws that are given in the, in the Ten Commandments, in the book of Leviticus or Deuteronomy or Numbers, the law, the Torah of the Old Testament. If you read those passages carefully, it always says this, that, we, that, that these prohi- prohibitions, this way of living a life is given to the children of God so that it will set them apart from all others. It is not necessarily their proof that they believe in God, but it is rather the the that the implication that to follow God changes us. And that God requires more of us because it's the thing that sets us apart for righteousness. That we seek to stand in Christ's light. And that as we stand in the light, we are illumined too. And then Jesus goes on in this passage. Jesus speaks of living in relationship as he responds to those questions that the temple authorities are asking him about his testimony. You see, in the time of Jesus, and I mean really even today, in the time, but certainly in the time of Jesus, in the Hebrew law code, testimony to be judged true needed to be confirmed by another. Testimony was not legitimate until two people said the same thing. And you know, if you listen to too much news like I do, if you ask Colleen, she'll certainly say that, and it's probably true. You know, you, you hear that, right? Unsubstantiated claims and rumors. We report this, but we're not sure it's true because we haven't found another person who will stand up and say this. So it's true for us today as well, right? Corroborating evidence. But as Jesus is making these claims that are, are causing such a stir in the Temple Mount, the, claim, the, the, the behaviors and actions that we spoke about last week that are in the intervening verses and today, The authorities looked for another person who could give veracity to all that Jesus says because that's what the law of Moses required. 
And yet, Jesus kind of said, well, there's, there's a real problem in your looking to find somebody here on earth who's going to be able to, to, to give, to be, who's going to be able to authenticate claims about the kingdom of heaven. You see what the problem is just by the wording, right? We do not really know. Our understanding is imprecise. It's partial. The only one who can truly substantiate the revelation that is in the, embodied in Jesus Christ is only God. And so Jesus says, if I judge, it's not me who's judging, it's my Father who is in heaven. And the Father and I are one, that great Jesus claim, especially from John's gospel. That the only one who can truly give that veracity is God himself. And then he concludes with, with, this fo- with this focus on relationships that exists between Jesus and the Father. Then the, the temple authorities said to Jesus, where is your father? And Jesus says, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Again, getting at that earthly, heavenly divide. Like those who gathered around Jesus and questioned who he was and why he taught as he did or healed as he did, we cannot truly know who Jesus is in all of its fullness. Not until we are able to see the relationship that exists between Jesus and God the Father. And we acknowledge that Jesus does not act on his own, but acts through the power of God at work in him. Throughout John's gospel, there are these various themes that run through. A while ago, through the season of Lent, we talked about all of the signs that uh, the gospel writer uses to show the power and the authority of Jesus. At the end of the passage that we read today. There is that great little sentence, again, a a key sentence and a big thing when we were doing our 20-week Bible study, or at least I think it was 20 weeks, uh, with, uh, it might have been longer. (laughs) Don't nod, Brenda. (laughs) When we did our Bible study and read through the Gospel of John, one of the things that I kept pointing out to our folks as we studied were those words that ended the pericope that we read today. Because his hour had not yet come. Again, words that are very particular to John's gospel and point us toward something else. John is always pointing us toward something else. And then there are the I am sayings of Jesus, a series of of statements of self-definition that go through 
John's gospel. Sayings like the one we have today that Jesus says, I am the light of the world and which help us to grasp the fullness of God in Christ because they give us something to take and to hang on those images that we receive back in John chapter 1. Over the next couple of weeks, uh, we will look at a couple more of these I am sayings of Jesus and we will come to know beyond a shadow of the doubt that Jesus is indeed the Son of God and that God's love is made real for us as, as we come to know him and as we seek to live in his love. So let us listen for Jesus calling to us each day and let us live in that relationship and cherish the gifts he gives. Thanks be to God. Amen.